podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are, look, we're not recapping the Baylor game over the weekend because Kansas plays tonight against the Texas Longhorns. Instead, I wanted to go ahead and do a preview of that game. We will be recapping both Baylor and Texas not sure if it's just going to be tomorrow on Tuesday or if we'll be doing both Tuesday and Wednesday, depending on what else we have coming up. But I promise we will talk about the absolute demolition of Baylor that did happen. Unfortunately, it's not going to be today. Today, instead, we have uh, uh, Gerald Goodridge from the Longhorn Republic podcast coming back on the show. He's been on here a few times before. Absolutely love the insight that he has. But before we get over to him, I did want to talk about the other Kansas game that happened over the weekend, the Kansas women actually had a phenomenal fourth quarter against the TCU Horn Frog to go ahead and win that. They are now, uh, after the Texas loss to Baylor, they are now in sole possession of fifth place in the conference. Um, so, you know, Kansas is making a push now here late for the NCAA tournament. Um, this was an absolutely crucial game for them. There were some some players that really, really stood out here. Chandler Prater was just absolutely dominant down in the paint in, in the fourth quarter, especially really helped to kind of stretch that lead out. Tiana Jackson had 13 points for the team. Uh, which was actually only third most, but she had a ton of offensive rebounds that really gave Kansas a ton of opportunities to get those second chance points, to stay in the game, and then to finally make that final push. And Holly Kurzgeter, as I actually said over on Blue Wings Rising, um, you know, in the the recap of this game, look, she she didn't have as many points as some of the other players. She only had 11 points, but she had three absolutely critical three-point baskets that were just absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, she had one to really kind of stem the tide, um, kind of late in the game to allow Kansas to get back into it. That that was in the third quarter. The first quarter, though, she had the three-point that allowed them to take the lead after TCU's hot start that really kind of turned the game from a, oh my gosh, TCU's going to shoot the lights out of this place and we're going to have to try to keep up to more of a dogfight going back and forth. And then she had the three-pointer that stretched it to a 10-point lead that really kind of signified the end of the game for them that there really wasn't going to be an opportunity for TCU to come back at that point. So there was... Just some absolutely phenomenal performances for the Jayhawks. Brandon Schneider has this team playing really, really well and making that push. I don't know if they're going to get any kind of votes for top 25 or anything like that, just because they were a little bit a little ways down. But they are now back in that territory where if they can go ahead and pull off an upset coming up this week, um, or I, actually they may not have an opportunity this week. I, I don't remember if they play uh, Iowa State this weekend or if it's the next weekend, but they play West Virginia on Wednesday. Um, you know, but they, I mean, they have... A lot of great games coming up here that are going to give them that opportunity to solidify that NCAA tournament berth. But, all right, I am going to go ahead and throw it to a break early here so we can get, uh, you know, use some information about some of the other shows here on the network. Um, we will be right back on the Rock Talk podcast, and we'll be joined by Gerald Goodridge of Longhorn Republic to preview this this Texas game coming up tonight. Current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. And I'm joined now by Gerald Goodridge of the Longhorn Republic podcast. Gerald, how are you doing today? You know, uh, I was doing good. I was getting ready to come in and record this with you, and my kid threw up on my shirt. So outside oh, of that, 
you know, it, it is uh, as, as well as you can be doing in that situation. Well, you know what? We're going to use that as the perfect segue to the very first thing to talk about with Texas because Texas, you know, had a, a fairly good year so far, but uh, went out down to Lubbock in the return for Chris Beard uh, to Texas Tech. And you could you could say they kind of threw up a little bit on their shirts as when they were down there. Now, granted, a lot of that, I think, had to do with the way that the environment was. But, I mean, I think that's probably as good a place to start as any. This This Texas team... You know, and, and kind of using that as a backdrop. What what are the expectations for this team? And like, does that say anything about your thought process about whether they can live up to them this year? Well, I mean, there were there were talks like preseason that this was a final four national championship like run type team. And um I like all Texas fans bought the Kool-Aid, like hook, line, and sinker. And I think like as you go through the year and as you think about like what you've seen from Texas, like this is a good, not great team and that's that's probably a fair expectation i think they you know they are a tournament team i think the big 12 legitimately could have the oklahoma state aside would be like a conference that got most if not all of its teams in the tournament at this point because there is just the best basketball conference in the country but uh like overall expectations texas has really struggled with um like at, like athletic big men, we saw that they went to Gonzaga and absolutely got ran off the court early in the season, and that's been the big struggle for Texas. I think if somebody is like more athletic at the, uh, more athletic than them, specifically in the paint, then they're really going to struggle. And so um, they played probably their best game or at least best half of basketball of the season against Iowa State after the the debacle in, in Lubbock, whatever you want to call it. But you combine a really, really good Texas Tech team that's really surprisingly, shockingly athletic with the environment and the everything else going on. It was kind of a worst case scenario for Texas or best case if you're a Tech fan. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and kind of to your point, Texas Tech does a lot to take away the middle. So whether you're going up against, you know, a really strong big man in the middle or... Yep they just don't let you play in the middle at all. Like that's honestly kind of the same thing. If you go up against an athletic big man, that's what they do is shut down your ability to play inside. So if, if you never get a chance to go inside, it's, it ends up being, you know, functionally the exact same thing. So, so that actually leads me into my kind of first thought about this actual game, because I mean, do you, do you see Kansas as having athletic big man, someone that Texas is going to struggle with? Cause I'm not, I'm not sure that I do, but I, I'm a little biased with my, <laughs> wondering about whether McCormick is actually going to, you know, reach his full potential this year. I I don't know. Like as much as I don't know what to make of Texas this year, like Kansas has been a bit of an enigma. Like they, like the record is you know, eight and one, 19 and three on the year. Like they're good, but like, I just don't know what to make of them. Like it's not your typical, like Terminator juggernaut Kansas team that we're used to. And so um, I think Texas has an opportunity. I, I said going, there's like this, they're, they're at the tail end of this five game stretch. And I said going into it, if Texas is two and three in that five game stretch, we'll consider it a win. It was um, Tennessee, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Kansas, and Baylor. It's like if they win two of those games, I'm feeling good. So like I fully expect Kansas to beat them in this, especially, um, you know, it being, excuse me it being uh, a home game for for texas the home court 
for the Longhorns is never really a factor in it. But to your question, I don't know if they've got the big man to do it, but I also think Texas could have one of those seven-minute scoring droughts that they want to do in, in Kansas. Has has the scorers, regardless of whether or not how you feel about their big men, they've got guys that can put the ball in the bucket, and that's that's Texas's downfall is they'll go on a five-minute scoring drought. The other team will put seven, eight, ten points on the board, and that's all she wrote. Are, are, are you sure you're talking about Texas and not Kansas? Because Kansas has had lots of times this year where they go on a five to ten minute scoring drought. Like we saw it against Oklahoma State. We saw it against Iowa State. We saw it. I mean, it's it's crazy to see, you know, how, you know, back and forth this offense can be. But I do think a, lot, you know, a big part of that is um, Kansas specifically having a bunch of different guys and trying to figure out how they play well together and how you get them all, you know, firing on this on, on all cylinders at the exact same time. They haven't done that except for that Baylor game. The Baylor game, I think, is the first is the first game where Kansas put it all together and you actually saw what the potential for this team could be. Now, whether they live up to that moving forward is a completely different matter. Looking at this Texas team, what is the potential for this team? Who are the guys that are expected to be big contributors? And if someone is going to step up and really make a push for this Texas team to become great, which, which guy or which couple guys is that going to have to be? It's... It's a hard thing to say because it it feels like there's like two different guys each night. Marcus Carr is, is kind of the guy that you expect. He's um, tra- I say I almost said transfer. Everybody on the team is basically a transfer if it's not like Brock Turner or a couple of other guys, but uh, Brock Cunningham or, or one of those guys. But like Marcus Carr, he went off against Texas Tech in that loss at 18. He scored 14 against Iowa State. Like he he's prone to have a big night, and he's. The problem with Carr is that sometimes he'll resort to hero ball, and so that's that is to the detriment of the team. Obviously, you've also got Timmy Allen, the the forward down low. He's um, leading the team in scoring, like right ahead. It's it, they're basically tied. Mark, Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen. They're eleven point two and eleven point three points per game. Like they're they're essentially tied. Um, Andrew Jones, a name that you're familiar with, he's been in college for 17 years at this point. He's yeah, on the, he's, he's he's on the, the Texas Ellis version track. of Perry Ellis, right? <laughs> he's on the Perry Ellis track. Um, but Andrew Jones, again, uh, is is another player who you've seen what he's he – if you've been watching Big 12 basketball for any amount of time over the last five years, you can see what Andrew Jones could do. He's really stepped up as a uh, perimeter shooter. He's really trying to develop in that. He's, I think, second or third on the team in, in three-point percentage. Um, the Like the wild card for me in this matchup is, is Courtney Ramey. Courtney Ramey is a guy who you've heard his name before, again, if you've been watching Big 12 basketball for a couple of years. But he'll have a night where he's like – four of six from three point and make a couple of easy layups and like really spark the team. And then there's some nights where he's like four of 73, it feels like, and he'll just absolutely play like ankle weights for the rest of the squads. Like he's always my X factor for Texas. If, if Ramey is on, they're a hard team to beat. And if Ramey is having a tough night, then they're a relatively easy team to beat. Uh, Cause you've got a lot of opportunities for, uh, for rebounding and uh, scoring. Yeah, I mean, Ramey kind of strikes me as the guy that does, he, I mean, tell me if this isn't fair, but he seems to be the glue guy for Texas. If he's playing really well, he's bringing everything else together. And whether it's like him actually facilitating other people or just him being on opens things up for other people, I'm not really sure which one it is, but it, it definitely seems like like you can track his good game versus the bad games. And if he's having a good game, almost everybody else is having a good game too. If he's having a bad game, then your guys are in trouble. It, that's, a, that's a fairly good expectation. I mean, you look at, they beat Tennessee, he scored 18 and shot 
the 50 percent from from three point they they beat iowa state but he had a weird bad night he yeah it was like one like three of nine from the floor but iowa state kind of sucked in that game um but against tech he 40 percent from the floor against tcu 47 percent from the floor they won that game 40 percent against um oklahoma state so like you could see there there's um it's really not necessarily his it's more tied to his ability to hit the three-pointer i think is really where it is because he can if texas can create space down low that's really where they seem to thrive because Carr will attack the basket and hit, get to the three point uh, get to the free throw line and so if Ramey's hitting him from the outside Carr can uh, has an easier path to the basket or Timmy Allen has an easier fewer bodies to deal with down low and so you I think you might be on to something now again if Texas fans are listening Brock is the glue guy we know Brock is the glue guy but Brock is also the meme glue guy uh but I think Ramey is a guy who you could definitely track and see how it goes I would say Brock, Brock gets the candidate for, you know, the guy that's going to randomly go seven of eight from three and score, you know, 30 points against Kansas out of absolutely nowhere because I see he's only <laughs> taken 13 shots from three well, the entire year so far. <laughs> he's he's the guy, like, he is, like, Chris Beard's spirit animal because he'll also play, like, 20 minutes, go to the free throw line and hit, th- like, he'll be three of three from the free throw line and have six fouls. Like, that's, that is who, he'll somehow squeeze an extra foul in there. Like, that's just how he, do- like, he's, he's the guy who will do, like, he's, I don't even know how to describe Brock. That's awesome. <laughs> God, so, bless, God bless. I mean, kind of, kind of talking though about beard spirit animals um, in, in a really weird transition. Uh, I mean, you know, Texas is not the only one who is bringing in a new coach, bringing in a new system, and then a whole bunch of transfer guys to try to, you know, deal with that at the same time and kind of bring it all together. Um, definitely much more high profile than what happened, you know, than, than what's happening over at Iowa State with TJ Otzelberger. Um, what is it about Beard's system or the, you know, the particular players that he's brought in that you think has made Texas to be more successful than Iowa State has? Because you look at it, both of these teams have pretty much, you know, overhauled the entire roster going from one year to the next. They brought in a new coach that's playing a completely different style than what they were before. Um, I mean, is it literally just the 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 caliber of players that were brought in, or is there something specific about what Beard does? I mean, it's hard to argue when you bring in, you know, three guys that were their team's leading scorer you're going to be successful like that's like Marcus Carr Timmy Allen those both those guys led their team in scoring last year so they're just they're just good basketball players when, when push comes to shove um and I I think part of it and I'll just go and say it like Chris Beard also pads the stats early in the season with a very weak non-conference schedule we can just go and say it I was gonna say I, I was wondering if you're gonna admit that if, if you bought season tickets, you're absolutely getting screwed on some of these these home non-conference games it is what it is uh, so like that is helpful but the the problem with the Big 12 in, overall is that five of the 10 teams are top 20 adjusted defensive teams. So, like, it's hard to say, like, Iowa State's having a bad year because the Big 12 is just a rock fight every night. Um, but for Chris Beard, Chris Beard is, is had a, he's a reputation of being a hard ass, for lack of a better term. Um, and you saw it earlier in the season where a, a true freshman he recruited to Texas Tech that came to Texas with him transferred to Texas Tech uh, because it seemed like it wasn't a fit. And I think Chris Beard is very demanding of the players. Chris Beard is not one to shy away from uh, putting big demands on guys. And I think it's he's got a really elder team. It's an old squad. I think the average age is like 21 or 22-ish on that team. So, like, 
it's not bad, especially if you're trying to win college basketball games to get old and get old quick. And so Texas got really old really fast by by that infusion of transfers. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess really the question then, though, becomes how, how sustainable is it at this point? Because, I mean, you look at how senior laden this team is, um, you know, in terms of main contributors, I'm counting six of the guys are seniors. I don't know how many of them are eligible to come back for a super senior year. Um, and then you've got three juniors. So like in terms of guys that actually play any sort of significant minutes at all, it's Devin Eskew is a, is a sophomore. Uh, so there's gonna be a lot of roster turnover. There's going to need to be a lot of more guys coming in. Um, do you, do you see this as one of those things where the way the transfer portal is now that, uh, that Chris Beard is probably going to continue to lean heavily on the transfer portal, or are you just waiting for high school recruiting to kind of pick up to a point where he doesn't have to rely on them? So, so heavily. I don't know if there'll be a year where Chris Beard doesn't try to pick a piece or two from the portal. That being said, Texas has two top 20 players coming in next year uh, in Dylan Mitchell and Ontario Morris. So like, I think it's, it's going to be like we, Chris Beard did it at Texas tech. And I don't think he's going to change his stripes that much. I think he'll be able to do, he won't be grabbing an entire roster from the portal anytime soon. Like he has in the past, but um there's something to be said about having senior leadership and elder leadership on your team. And especially um, like Texas is going to be relying on a, on a true freshman point guard next year in Ontario Morris likely uh, because of just the way the roster is shaking out and freshman point guards are great. Top 20 point guards are great, but there's something to be said about having a 20 year old rack there running the, running the offense in a tournament game. So I think you, you'll continue to see Chris Beard um, hit the portal when he needs to, and again, I don't think he'll build the whole darn thing out of the transfer portal next year, but I do think he'll probably grab a piece or two if it's available. No, and that's true. I mean, I, I think everybody, especially high major programs, are going to take a piece or two if they can. I am kind of curious, though, in terms of, like, which schools are we going to see that are going to grab, you know, much many more pieces than they normally would because you can grab a guy and he can come in and play immediately um, and not necessarily lean so much on the on the high school recruits. Um, like, I, I don't, I don't see Bill Self doing that any particular time soon, just cause he's, he usually doesn't like to take a bunch of transfers anyway. And, you know, as we've seen, he's going to, you know, shy, or I'm sorry, he's, he's going to kind of bias his playing time decisions towards the guys that have been in the program for two or three years before the guy that just transfers. Like we've, we've seen that. I'm wondering how many other coaches are going to do it that way, but the way that Beard has kind of come across in the past, he hasn't been afraid, you know, at Texas tech to take transfers and take multiple transfers to fill holes in his roster. Um, the question becomes how sustainable is that? And given the history of Texas basketball coaches, um, you know, if it doesn't bear fruit pretty quickly, then, you know, Texas fans don't seem to really, well, it's, it's, it's a weird dichotomy. They either don't care enough about basketball for it to really be a big issue (laughs) or think that they should be winning a whole bunch more, even though nobody really cares. Like, which is it? Do they care or do they want them to be winning a bunch because they actually do care? I whatever i'm just gonna say it tech the 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 level of expectation that texas fans put on the basketball team does not mirror the level of support the texas fans give the basketball team um they and whatever i'm just gonna say it. texas is a football school and the the football style expectations of undefeated conference championships every year is just not sustainable in any way shape or form for basketball like there were games that you were able to hear balloons rubbing against each other at the Irwin Center, like where the the home court advantage for Texas did not exist previously. And it's it's the the new arena and, and all of that is, is going to help. But I just 
I think there's an outsized level of, even on the football program, that's a whole nother conversation for another day, but like the outsized expectations that Texas fans have for programs overall, do I want to see Texas win? Absolutely. But do I think that it's possible for them to win the conference this year? No. And that's not a fair expectation of them. And, and I think Chris Beard is moving this thing in the right direction. I don't know what your original question was, but I got off on a diatribe about Texas fans kind of sucking at times. Well, um, I, I, so. to be honest, that was kind of what the question was. No, kind of to that point, <laughs> it was weird because I was looking, I think it was like two weeks ago, I was looking, and, and fair that National Signing Day hadn't happened yet, like the late period, but there was, I think there was twice as many podcast episodes about Texas football than there was about Texas basketball, a team that at the time, you know, was ranked in the top 20, uh, it has been like top 15 at Ken Palm for most of the year, like a good basketball team by every measure that's out there. And people wanted to talk about Texas recruiting for football or what's going to happen next year in football. Like that tells you how much football rules the roost down there, which does make it difficult. I mean, Shaka smart. Yes. He didn't perform. I think the way that Texas fans necessarily wanted him to, but most other schools for the level of support that Texas fans give that program would typically be pretty happy about what he actually did. And yes, the like, I, I wonder if he would have been fired if they had not flamed out in the NCAA tournament the way that they did. Sorry, sorry for that pain. But uh, no, it's, it's, but it's, it would, is one of those things too. Well, you know, th there is definitely some some question about how much, how much of the timing of Shaka Smart leaving and Chris Beard getting hired was a let's get ready for the SEC type of move. Let's find a coach that we want to take want to take us into the SEC. Um, but it's definitely one of those things where, you know, you always have to wonder if a coach doesn't see the immediate success that some of the, that, that some of the blue bloods are having in basketball, how much patience does the Texas fan base or the Texas administration have with a coach? And I, I would say again, based on the level of some fan support to the level of fan expectation, not, a, there's not enough patience. And I think there's, um, there's something to be said about, um, and I, I'll just say this, the, the, I was a Shaka smart supporter. I love Shaka. I thought Shaka was an incredible human being. I honestly thought he was a really good basketball coach. And I think um, the problem that where what wrong for Shaka smart is Shaka was building to last year. Like the, that roster was built to make a run in 2021 and it just didn't work. And so when you build to a year and you lose in the first round to in, in an upset, that that kind of doesn't really hold water, especially with in, in any fan base. But I do think uh, you said blue blood in there, and like Texas is not a basketball blue blood, nor should no. they consider themselves on that level. And they sh like baseball blue blood, yes, volleyball blue blood, football blue blood, maybe based on history, probably <laughs> kind <of>. currently, I don't <laughs> know, arguable, but somewhat, um, yeah, right. But like they're not a basketball blue blood, and I don't think the expectation of Texas being a basketball blue blood is fair. Now that being said, with the level of investment that they're making in the basketball program and the new arena and the coaches and all of that, then there should be some expectations. But I don't think that um, expecting them to be Duke or to be Kansas or to be insert team is fair. No, it's it's definitely not. It's one of those things where. You know, I, I feel almost like Texas fans in general say, hey, we've got the most money we can throw at this. So why why aren't we good in some of these things that we're not good at? Because they are used to being one of the best because they can throw a whole bunch of money at it. Like, you know, you look at most of the the Olympic sports, the, the you know, quote unquote, non-revenue sports, depending on how you yeah. want to talk about it. And uh, I mean, Texas is usually really good in a lot of those because they can afford to pay coaches and assistants and support staff and everything that they need to to have good programs. And, and there's nothing wrong with having wanting to have a good program like that. But 
college basketball is one of the few, you know, sports where you can have a, you know, it, it only takes a few really good recruits to get a lineup that you need to be super competitive. So that, and that naturally adds a little bit more parity, you know, especially when you can't, at least up until now, you can't pay players to, to come and, you know, coach. And, and we, and we can have another NIL conversation all we want, but you know, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, up, up until now there was a lot more parity because of, you know, the extra, um, yeah, I guess ex- exposure the players can get at mid majors, you know, other things that you can potentially do in other places and get that exposure that you need to be able to, to move on to whatever your goals are later. You don't have to do it at a big school that has a whole bunch of money to do it. Um, so it's definitely a little bit harder, I think, to, to kind of, to quote unquote, buy your way to a championship in a sport like men's basketball, just because there's a lot of other things that kind of go into it, but it almost feels like Texas fans expect to be able to do that. Shaka Smart, I, I I agree with you. I think he's I think he's a good coach. I think, yeah, I think he has a great system. What he wants to do culturally, though, I don't think it fits with the way that Texas expects their coaches to be able to run programs and do things. You know, he he's up at Marquette now, and he's actually having a really really good season up there in his first season because I think that the 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 fits a lot better up there. And and, and we talk about fits on teams. We talk about all kinds of fits. I think coaching staffs with administrations have a fit as well that can cause problems or can be absolutely phenomenal and allow that coach to be a lot better than you would normally think. And, and there's a whole separate conversation to have about Shaka and his political feelings and all of that things, how it didn't jive with Texas boosters. And there's a, again, Shaka smart long said that like he would much rather have his entire team registered to vote than he would win an NCAA tournament game. And like, I love that and respect that as a person, but the rich oil magnate that watches two big Monday games a year is not going to be okay with that. And so like, there's a, again, longer conversation about fit. And I think Shaka is at a, at a school that fully supports basketball throws its entire identity almost on, on the basketball team. And they're like a top 25 team in Ken Palm, if, if memory serves. So like, they're a really good team and, I, and I'm glad to see Shaka thriving. And I think he'll continue to thrive at that school. I'm always going to be a Shaka smart fan. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think Chris Beard fits a lot of what Texas wants from a look and a feel and a visual standpoint. And, and um, you know, what they bring and and I'll just say it like this, Texas fans clamored for Chris Beard for several years. And so now you don't get to whine and complain about watching ugly basketball. You watched it on the other side of the court a couple times a year. So quit complaining about it. He's the fit you wanted. So let's, let's sleep in the bed that we made. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good way to, to put it. All right. We are going a little longer than I anticipated, but we haven't even actually talked about this game yet. So let's, let's, let's turn to the game real quick because this game obviously is a big one. You know, we have two highly ranked teams that are both making pushes. Kansas, yes, leads the big 12 conference, but with how you know, difficult it is um, this year, it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to go ahead and win. So looking at this game, looking at potentially what we have to worry about here, what do you think the key matchup is going to be for this game? Like what, if, if you're looking at it and trying to figure out, you know, the, the one person or the one key statistic to look at, what is the thing that's going to decide this game the most? Offensive rebounding and second chance points. I think if McCormick bodies up to uh, Timmy Allen in, on the offensive glass, I think Kansas runs away with this. I think if Texas can hold its own and get some offensive rebounds and, and keep, um, keep Kansas from, from getting second chance points. That's been a, that's been a killer for Texas all year. Uh, if that, I think that's the matchup. I, I keep coming back to it. It's going to be big man on big man. How's the, how does the offensive glass look on either side? And I think you'll be able to tell pretty early uh, how that's going to turn out. 
Yeah, which I would say that probably doesn't bode super well for Texas because looking at their their Ken Palm numbers, um, Texas is not great about giving up offensive rebounds, and Kansas is you know top twenty uh, in terms yep. of the nation. Um, 100%. I've also noticed that David McCormick is a whole lot better about that, um, and some of the other guys are better about that when they actually have tall, you know, stocky big men that that really challenge them down low. They kind of like rise to the challenge. Um, Texas has a few of those that potentially are going to theoretically draw the best out of guys like McCormick. So the question I think is, as always, yes, is going to be how much do they do there? I'm actually going to go a little bit of a different direction. Um, you know, we saw against Baylor, you know, Kansas had three different guards that really showed out there. Uh, Christian Brown had his, his best offensive game in a really long time. Um, being being the leading scorer for the for the Jayhawks, well sharing sharing it with Abaji, but Jalen Wilson as well, and and that's what Kansas usually been missing is that you know they they usually have one guard who's really good. It's either Abaji or Brown or Wilson. Um, sometimes they have two, and they and they you know win comfortably. Or if things go wrong everywhere else, then they're at least in the game until the end. But if all three of them are on, it's deadly. It's almost impossible to really stop what they're doing because of the cuts that they make, the you know, the, the backdoor passes, everything. We saw Baylor was really slow. Part of that was what's Kansas game planning perfectly for what Baylor does. Um how how worried are you though about the speed of this Jayhawk team, the fact that they like to run it so much? Um like what what's the biggest worry there? Is is, is that something that, that Texas is susceptible to this year? Yeah te- it really is a battle of styles and preferences because Kansas is going to want to run. They're going to want to push the ball and Texas is going to try to put ankle weights on this game. They're going to try to, if Chris Beard could have a three possession game, he would do it. Like that would be his ideal basketball game. And so uh, if, if Texas is successful, again, I think if Texas is successful in that, they still have to be really efficient. They have, they've had some games where they play that style, but then they also shoot like 37% from the floor. And I'm like, if you only have, you know, 18 possessions and a half. You can't really do that. Uh, but that being said, it does worry me. Texas has had Texas has been run on this year, and I think um, there there have been games where Texas has gone without a single fast break point. So it really is like a a matchup of of preferences and styles. And um, again, I think you'll be able to tell early on whose style and whose preference is going to win out, and that'll probably tell you the story of the game. You could probably call it early. Yeah, that's actually kind of funny. I didn't realize just how slow. They like to play. You look at the adjusted tempo over on Ken Palm. They are 347th out of 358. Like that is glacial. <laughs> that is really, really. Oh my gosh. He wants to play the game in quicksand, man. I, I like it is what it is. Texas fans knew this. They're complaining about it, but you knew it. You knew who you're hiring. Quit complaining. Yeah. It, it's funny because we would always complain about Texas tech in years past, how they would play so slow and the defense uh, it was all about dry, drawing charges and like even where they don't exist and doing all this additional stuff, um, you know, that really drives fans crazy. It's not pretty <laughs> basketball to watch. It's really not enjoyable um, unless you really like to see like in, it, unless you're a Big Ten fan, it's not enjoyable basketball at all. Um, but we have three teams now that do that really well in Iowa State, Texas Tech, and then to some degree, Texas, um, you know, and it's funny because they all have I think they all have like top 15 teams in terms of uh defensive you know it's just like oh my gosh this is absolutely ridiculous Texas is nine I don't know about the other teams. yeah Texas is nine Texas Tech is two and Iowa State is six so I'm sorry all top 10 teams I actually shortchanged them um yeah it's just it's absolutely ridiculous to see that style be so successful and yet be so prevalent in our league uh you know it makes you wonder why we have so many I mean uh 
you know, a 61 to, or I'm sorry, a 60 to 41 win. Um, my gosh, you know, like you were talking about how, you know, it's just like, if, if, if Iowa state's going to only score 41, you know, it's going to be really hard for you to not win that game. And yet like that was a defensive battle for way too long. It, it was, it was like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, in the first half, Texas played poorly, and, and they really responded to the halftime uh, halftime speech from Chris Beard. But, like, that was almost like two toddlers with, like, wiffle ball bats just, like, whacking each other, and, and whoever falls down first loses. Like, that's really what that game felt like. That That is a perfect visual. If only I had a video of that, we could, like, play over <laughs> the top of this clip. But, um, all right, so I think that's pretty much going to do it. I just – I'm trying to make sure I didn't have anything else, but um, – yeah, so I mean, I, I guess let's let's go ahead. I don't, I don't always ask for it, but in terms of this game, it is Big Monday. It's the first Big Monday game for Chris Beard at Texas, at like actually at Texas. Um, who who do you have in this game? Like we talked about a, a few of the different ways that it could go, but but how do you actually see this game playing out? Man, I think well, Vegas has it. I think at at Texas favored by a point and a half, and I hate that. Yeah, and um, Ken Palm has you guys by one. Yeah, I, I've like my gut tells me maybe this is just years and years of abuse from Texas athletics. Uh, my gut tells me Kansas probably wins this one, and I, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be pretty. I'm very happy to go on my podcast tomorrow night and be wrong. Like I will definitely, I will call myself out, and I will, I will, I will old takes expose myself if I have to. But like I just. Kansas is a really athletic, really fast team, and Texas has struggled with those teams this year. So I, I really do think Kansas has has an advantage there, and I think that's going to be the advantage that they press. And if they do, I think it could get ugly. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that this Kansas defense is better than most people have been giving it credit for, and we saw that against Baylor. Um, you know, they do have the ability to to actually have a top you know twenty defense. They just haven't played that way due to injuries and other potential things that have kind of just messed stuff up. Um, you know, if if the way they played against Baylor, identifying what Baylor tries to do and taking it away so sound, like it wasn't even like a Baylor was missing a bunch of open shots. Baylor didn't get an opportunity to get very many open shots because of the way that Kansas jumped, you know, ahead of them, anticipated where they were driving. Like if this is the Kansas team we're going to see defensively, it's hard. It's going to be hard for anybody to kind of keep up with them. And and you know, I think I, I don't know that Texas can turn it on quick enough to get around something like that. It plays directly into what Kansas likes to do in terms of playing defense, getting set up for that, um, you know, kind of playing good base defense. Bill Self has also shown the ability or the, the willingness to pull out the zone a lot more than he usually does. And I think that plays into the strengths of this team, being able to anticipate where guys are going, switching, you know, not really switching because they don't, they're not on a guy anymore. Um, which has been weird as a Kansas fan, but I think it's worked really well and really helped to kind of change the way that this defense plays. Um, so I, 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 I have to agree with you. Like, I think that Kansas is set up better defensively to play against the style that Texas wants to play offensively. And I think that Kansas' offense playing quick is going to give them a lot of opportunities that I don't know that Texas is going to be able to, 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 to handle. I mean, I, I always hate to say on the road, big Monday, you know, at a place like Texas that can get a little feisty at times that Kansas is going to go in and win big. But if I'm looking at it, like, I, I mean, I think a six or seven point win sounds the most right to me, but I wouldn't be shocked to see if Kansas has a double digit win here and really makes a statement. That like my, my gut tells me to feel bad about this game. And so that's, that's what I'm going to go into it with. I think uh, I, again, I said it 
three weeks or two weeks ago, Texas goes two and five in this last little stretch that they're in here. They'll be okay. And Texas has won two of the three games they've played so far. So uh, I feel okay. I, I hope they win. But again, I just think the, if, if Texas has one of those streaks where they go for five, six, seven minutes without scoring and the game is still, Kansas is still running it. That's really where it's going to get out of hand. And that's, that's my biggest concern. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it sounds like you're adopting the old uh, Kansas football method for predictions of expect the worst and be glad when you're wrong. hundred <laughs> percent. That's so, where I'm at. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Gerald, thank you so much for joining me. Where, where can everybody find your work to get more information about this Texas team online? Yeah, you can check out my podcast. We're just on the Burn Orange Nation podcast feed. We tweet from at Longhorn Pod and then me personally at GH which I really just tweet about like nerdy stuff and my kids and occasionally whatever dumb politics. Of course. But that's where I'm at on the Internet. And that's going to do it for us today. Gerald, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wherever you get your podcasters, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. We are now part of Blue Wings Rising. It's the SI Fan Nation site uh, covering the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm really enjoying that over there. Uh, we're going to bring a lot of great stuff for you guys. It allow us to expand the coverage from what we were doing previously. G- head on over there, bluewingsrising.com, if you haven't already, to get all that coverage. And, of course, all, these episodes and articles related to them come out every single day or every single weekday, uh, Monday through Friday, for you know, over on the site there. So if you're not already following us over there, it's at Blue Wings Rise on Twitter as well. But you can, you know, if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me here specifically about the podcast at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Um, you know, we are part of the 1012 podcast network. If, if you go over to Twitter at TEN12network, that's 1012 network on Twitter, you can get links to all the great shows we do. You know, there's a lot of great podcasters over there talking about all the teams here in the Big 12 Conference. But we are on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voicemail so you can get your voice on the show. Still waiting for people to come in to, to go ahead and do that. I really want to answer your questions or talk about the topics you want. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise it will get you on the show. But make sure you go out and visit our great sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Promo code CHALK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Gerald, thanks once more t- for joining me. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.